0: Coming up on today's episode, we break down a dominant Jets win over the Sharks. Plus, look ahead to the final two games of the regular season. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki, or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it. Hope you guys all had a great Easter, Passover, whatever it was that you're celebrating. Hopefully it involved crushing a couple thousand carbohydrates in a 24 to 48 hour span. And you're starting your week off right. That's the only way to do it. Me and Tyson were actually just talking about um, is it is it smart or foolish to pound back a couple cabbage rolls at 1045 p.m. Or should it maybe wait till morning? I don't know. That's that's for you to decide, not us. But if it's wrong, I don't want to be right. (laughs) exactly exactly so um i mean we won't talk too much about our our easter uh, menus there because we got some winnipeg jets almost playoff hockey to talk about and uh yeah i kind of introduced them already there but cjobs tyson rowiki is here once again how we doing tice how was the weekend how's monday been weekend's been good it was a good uh Good weekend for the Jets, getting that that big W against Nashville, and then watch the pay per view after that. who Y'all must have forgot about Israel out of Sonia, but that's a different sport. We don't want to talk about that. Yeah, oh uh, well, I, I don't think uh, I don't think a child of a certain opponent is going to forget about <laughs> Izzy anytime soon. That's hilarious. Um, and 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 yeah, that's good to hear. That's that's great to hear. Um. I can't think of a a great way to segue UFC over to the Winnipeg Jets here. So I'll just kind of, you know, stumble along here and get us back to why everybody's listening to the episode. (laughs) Um, But the Winnipeg Jets, they don't get knocked out. There we go. They don't get knocked out. They find a way to not only keep their playoff hopes alive, but give it a turbo charge and put them really on the brink of contention. Just a single point in the final two games for the Winnipeg Jets will do it. And that also doesn't take into account whether or not the Preds and or Flames went out in the remainder of their games. So percentages certainly working in the Jets' favor. But like you said, Tice, that's because they went out and they took care of business in back-to-back games. I mean, not on the score sheet, but I think a dominant performance against the Nashville Predators on Saturday night and then carried over into a dominant, resounding victory over the San Jose Sharks, but now without a little bit of worry for about 10 seconds or so. We can joke about it now, but what was, what was the thought process when San Jose scored 10 seconds in, first shift at the game, first shot of the game? Eric Carlson now has 99 points. Oh, here comes Optimus Rhymes with another, yeah. another shutout. That was all you... I, I, did not feel confident in them scoring a goal until they scored that first goal, and then it was like, okay, they're gonna get, they're gonna get five or six tonight, and they, and they did. That was exactly what ended up happening, and they that was, that was just them taking it to a team that kind of knows that they're out of it. They got their their minds going towards the offseason. like that. That did not look like a very well motivated San Jose Sharks team tonight. But at this point in the season, there's a lot of teams like we've seen a couple of the bottom feeder teams with guys who have who have contracts running up at the end of this year, guys who are trying to make impressions on their teams for the year after. Like it's a dangerous time for a lot of playoff teams playing those bottom feeders because you don't know what you're going to get. But so it's great to see them come out and really put together that strong performance. And really it's, it's four strong performances out of five, their last five games, right? Like the Calgary game wasn't fantastic. It wasn't their worst game that they played this year, but the two games before the Calgary game that were also very, you you saw that the pace of the jets were able to play at. And so, it's nice that they're really starting to build momentum coming into the playoff race when a lot of people didn't have a lot of faith in them just a couple of weeks ago. So getting these big wins and playing good in these big wins is, is crucial for this jets team. Yeah. Um, and beating a powerhouse like the sharks, or at least a team that's played like a powerhouse when they played the Winnipeg jets. That was great. I'll give my, I mean, since we're talking about predicting the game, I'll give myself a pat on the back. Cause I texted you the second after that goal happened. And I said, it's a good thing it happened that early because that's a wake up call in a big way, and it's funny, like it's weird, like it's almost like when something that awful happens that quickly, you all like you almost kind of just laugh it off, and it's like okay, we, like we're going to be just fine here, but the urgency is going to kick in right away. I, that's kind of how I thought it would happen. There. Like I think it's different if it was zero zero and San Jose scores with like ten seconds left in the period. And then it's like, oh, we don't have that much time. Like, it's happening again. Oh, no. But the Jets found a way immediately after that to, uh, you know, correct the insane wrong that happened on that first shift there. And who would have ever guessed it was the power play that would come to save the day. We'll talk about the power play in just a sec here. But I um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I guess first I want to mention this before I get back to one of your other points. Uh, because the power play did get the Jets back on track. And you could tell immediately after that shift that it was going to be a long, long night for San Jose. But I think, you know, especially when we're as hard, and I, when I say we, I mean the city of Winnipeg over the last couple of years, when we're as hard on Mark Shifley as we have been, you got to give him his props when he steps up to play. And, and he was the one immediately after that to chug his way through the neutral zone with two San Jose Sharks draped all over him. And carry both of those players into the offensive zone, ultimately drawing the penalty that led to that first Winnipeg goal. I actually made a pass on the play that Cal Connor should have scored on. It was right, you know, right in the wheelhouse there, and Connor just whiffed on it. Uh, but shifley to me, when 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 I saw that level of of intensity and effort, I, I thought we were going to have a pretty big night for him and a big night from the team as well. I still maintain when when he's going, you know, like. Morrissey I think is this team's he's been this team's best skater all season but I think he's the de facto leader of the team. Hellebuck is like the rock and the foundation of everything that they're built on but I still maintain that this team goes as far as Mark Shifley goes and when he's on and he's pushing the rest of the club just has nothing else to do but follow his lead and I thought right from the first shift he set the tone for the club And then he continued that right throughout the entirety of the game. He was, I I thought, the Winnipeg Jets' best player in this one. And, you know, you're looking and and talking about potentially optimistic signs about what this team can and can't do over the next little while. Seeing Mark Shifley bring it to that level, to me, is probably the most encouraging sign that you could ask for from this team to have a legitimate shot at pulling off an upset come playoff time. Right, and... You have to consider, too, that even though he did pretty much go AWOL for for a decent chunk of the season, he still had 40 goals. Like that's a, that's a lot of goals to score in the NHL. And the fact that he can do that where there's times throughout the season where he's probably not at 100% is a scary thought. Where if he can bring that intensity for a full playoff st- series, I think he can be a, an absolute massive difference maker. And I'd even go as far to say that he could be a bigger difference maker than... Uh, a guy like Connor Hellebuck in a series, I truly do believe that. I think that if Mark Shipley is playing at the level that he can, and then he's playing at a, at a high, high end level, there's not many players in the NHL that can play like that. And just you're starting to see him. Maybe something just clicked with him. With the playoffs approaching, you know, and maybe him and Bones had some conversations, and something just clicked. And now he's kind of turned that switch, and he's going to show people what the what they expect out of him, what they saw from or from him earlier in the season. And I think he's gonna try and potentially put the Jets on his back for this playoff run. And who knows, maybe there will be a statue out there one day. <laughs> oh, okay. Why like everything was going good, and then you had to go there. But I don't, yeah. want, to, I don't want to say the S-word. That that's well, We we got we got some off-season issues to talk about first before we start talking about silverware or bronze whatever the hell statues are made i i I know very little about statue work um i I would i would just say that it's good to see him playing to the level that we should we should we should see him play every single night um and i think his game's getting been been getting better and better i don't know if that's just the byproduct of being moved out there to the wing or not i i would still once the playoffs get going like to see shifley dubois the one-two punch down the middle but for the meantime, if you're going to essentially put all your eggs into the all your Easter eggs into the basket of your top offensive guys, essentially onto that one line, they they need to provide all of the offense and multi point nights for each of them. It, it, it worked again in this one. We'll see if it's going to be the uh, formula for success if this team gets to the dance in a, a couple days' time. So I thought, yeah, I, I was I was pretty. We get on we get on him when he's he's not at his best, but I thought Mark schleifle was for me the first guy that deserved a bit of a plug for how that game went today um having said that i I, I don't even know if he was necessarily the 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 main storyline from a Winnipeg perspective uh, because he had the the battle of dueling defensive superstars in this one and Morrissey once again lived up to the billing like it's it really is a shame he's he's missed a couple of games and you know, had injury woes, like he didn't miss 15 games or anything like that, but you could tell that something bugged him in the in the latter portion of the season and he just wasn't able to keep up that insane, electric, like next level, next level pace. But having said that, he's got a crack at a point-of-game season. And it's pretty wild that he's more than doubled his best point total in a single season as an NHLer in this specific year. And just what you thought maybe, like it was four two, It's like uh, like you don't wanna give up a cheapy one at that point. It's four three, right? Like there's a little bit of a worry part in the in the third period there. And then Morrissey just clap bomb, bar down, see you later, curtains, good night, book the tea time San Jose. Um, as as your your coworker, your current coworker, and my uh former coworker would say, the winner of Josh Morrissey continued once again against San Jose and uh, did his best to uh, answer his his counterpart at the other end, making some history himself. Well, and uh, it's great to see that Morrissey's obviously taken such a huge step this year. And I, I wonder if you think the same way. Does it kind of seem like Josh Morrissey has almost fallen out of the top end of the Norris voting right now? Like, I, I just get the sense that he's still not getting the sort of respect that he deserves this season. And he yeah, he yeah. There. We'll we'll Sorry. talk about that. I mean, we'll, we'll yeah. We'll see. I'm assuming the Jets going to make the playoffs. If that's the case, we, we'll talk about that. You know, maybe next week before the playoffs get underway. If they miss, then everything just completely goes to to hell. <laughs> uh yeah. I would agree. I think. You know, I think the first half of the season he was seen as a top three guy. I don't know if he cracks the top five now, that, which that was is re- which really a shame. If if that's not, I mean. I'll, I'll have to take a look at my ballot. There's a lot of really good defense uh, defensemen seasons right now in the NHL. It's kind of like a, a new golden age for blue liners. But, man, like, yeah, for, for, for him to have the season he's had and, and to kind of be an afterthought, like somebody that just rounds out the top 10, that that would be a, a real shame because he's been, you you make the case, he's been the team's MVP this season and and by far their, their best skater. It's not even close their best skater all year long. Yeah, and I, I get, I, I, for me, my top three would be Eric Carlson, Josh Norsey, and Rasmus Dallin. With, with Adam Fox just missing that top three. Okay. And then at five, I okay, go. Okay. okay. Well, why don't we get into this then before we talk a, a few other jet notes here. Um, one that's, you know, pretty important as to what's going to happen over the, the next stretch of hockey for the club. Um, But, you know, since we talked about Josh Morrissey there, Eric Carlson, and again, you know, (laughs) as soon as I saw that he was at 98 points heading into this game, I don't know what the odds were for it, but I would have bet the house, I think, on him getting two against the Jets. The the Jets and the Flyers are the two teams you always bet against in terms of somebody hitting a milestone against them. It's it's like the easiest money you will ever make in your life And, of course, Carlson scores twice, 100 points on the year. First guy in 31 years or something like that. Only one of the six defensemen in history of of hockey to do that. You look at the point gap, and this is where points aren't everything when it comes to Demon. You look at the point gap, though. Like 100 to 75, like he's been 25% more productive than the next closest defenseman in terms of offensive production. He's no look. Like he's never going to be Rod Langway for all the old school guys out there. Like he's he's not your prototypical stay at home shutdown defenseman. It it has to be Carlson's Norris to lose, right? Like the, 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 yeah. ha- Like right. Am I, am I, am I, I feel like I'm kind of in the minority right now at this point. Reading some articles out there. Yeah. If if he's not the Norris winner, there's got to be a riot. I think like I think it's just stupid that it's even an argument at this. What you're not going to give the heart to the heart to someone because they scored too many points. Like, I, I just don't get that part of it. Like, Oh, he struggles in his own end. Well, let's see. Let's see Adam Fox go to San Jose, see how he does put Carlson on the Rangers. How many more points is he going to get? Like, it's just, I, I don't understand the people's people's need to attack guys who are having historic seasons. It's like you're trying to bring him down a notch, and so that your guy can get in. But it's just why don't you just enjoy that he's doing something that only six or seven other guys have done in their career, or not even in the league history. Like it's just, it just blows my mind. And if you watch some of the games, if you watch the games where the San Jose Sharks do end up winning, why are they winning games? Watch Um, watch the game tonight. (laughs) <laughs> that was that was one of the worst displays of hockey I, I can remember in, in in a long long time, and he was of course the only reason they even sniffed a couple of the goals past Connor Hellebuck there. I I I agree. I mean, everybody that listens knows I am like Ek for I got it tattooed on my inner thigh like Ek sixty five like that. that he, he, so I might be a little biased in the situation here, but we're, we're talking about a legendary legendary season. And what really puts the cherry on top for me is the fact that we're seeing Connor McDavid put up the highest scoring season, again, in almost 30 years, a season for the for the ages for him. Eric Carlson leads the NHL in five-on-five five points this year. Not Connor McDavid, who's got 150-plus. It's Eric Carlson, a defenseman, who leads the league in five-on-five five points crazy he, he generate. you're right he generates all the offense for san jose not some of it all of it and to basically wash all of that away because he's not outstanding defensively i i, I just can't buy that I, I i think and i know there's analytics that can kind of you know take a lot of this into account and all that but i just don't know how you can completely push away the environment that he's in especially in the sec and I, I saw what article today say you know carlson's defensive swoon in the second half should have him below these other guys in the in the norris trophy race i wonder what happened in the second half of san jose C- oh that's right they traded away everybody that could play hockey <laughs> maybe that's why his defensive numbers aren't as great as they were in the first half i i, I just i don't know to, to me sometimes i think when it comes to voting, we, we we tend to overthink things at times. And I think there should be. I, I know other people don't necessarily feel this way, but I, I do feel as well that, you know, especially when it comes to awards, which are pretty arbitrary to begin with, if there's a great story that goes along with it, go with the great story. He's an amazing story right now, right? Like, you're basically thrown on the trash heap. This guy is useless. He's never going to be the guy he once was. And he comes back, and he has one of the greatest offensive seasons we've seen from a defenseman you know, in, in decades, may, maybe ever, if you take into account you know, the increase in, in goaltending and equipment and all that. So for, for, for me, Carlson's, Carlson's the guy 100%. Uh, there's a lot of good D-men, though. He's probably lucky that Kale McCarr missed as much time as he did, or else we might be having a different convo. Um, but to me, I feel like my top five is pretty set. What order, we'll talk about that once the season comes to an end. But to me, it's got to be Carlson, Darlene, McCarr, Fox, and Josh Morrissey has to be in the conversation too because Josh Morrissey, not to the level obviously Carlson did, but Morrissey's generated a lot of offense for this team this year. And when other guys have been whoop, whoop, whoop up and down all over the place, He's just been steady as it goes, and I think really the driving force to this team doing just enough to get into the playoffs. Yeah, and and even with with people bringing up his advanced stats for for defense, do you know how many things go into a defensive zone, like like a breakdown when when it happens? Yeah, so I'm I'm glad you taught you mentioned that too because you know. Those same analytics people said Hampus Lindholm is over the hill, done, trash. He's never going to be good again. Look at his numbers in Anaheim. Look at his numbers in Anaheim. This guy can't play deep. Why is Boston keep it less than half a year later? Hampus Lindholm is legitimately in the Norris conversation. Yeah. So we're just like, it's so funny how, and I, I'll always lean analytics and all that, but analytics people will, you know, will, will all shuffle over this way because the numbers say this. And then when they do a complete 180 the next year, it's no, 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 no. But the numbers, it's different now. So we, we can like completely ignore it. it, it the, the, I just don't like how much the goalposts change all the time. When Lindholm was, you know, the same D-man over the last two years, but all of a sudden now he's, you know, God's gift to defensive defenseman. Um, I, I, I feel like I feel like analytics are pretty good indi- indicator of a player's play in the offensive zone. I think in the D zone, there's just too many variables that can happen and too many things that are, completely out of your control as on your role on the ice in the d zone i just think that they're so i i, I don't really put much weight into defensive stats i, I would say i would say they're really good for forwards yeah okay yeah defenseman it's a little like we've just seen too many times over the past several years yeah a guy i mean brandon montour and yeah. goes to buffalo he can't play hockey He's almost a point of game guy in Florida right now, right? Like environment is such for defense. I maybe that's what it is. Environment for defensemen is just such a such a massive factor into what they do out there on the ice that it, it just can be difficult to to quantify that year in, year out. Um so I yeah, I, I to, to me it's Carlson. To me, it's Morrissey. And I think even the fact that Morrissey is mentioned with the McCars, Foxes, Carlsons, and and Dallens is like that's upper echelon stuff like he is again it's it's too bad three other defensemen in the same year are having borderline legendary years at the same time josh morrissey does or else you know if he if, if morrissey did this last year it'd be morrissey versus mccarr for the doris trophy right like it, it, he's he's been that good just competition wise pretty pretty tough year to to play out of your mind for 95% of the season there but hopefully it would be nice to see him get a nom at the very least to be one of the top three heading out there to the award show but we'll see if that's going to be the case obviously um, some more important things for the Winnipeg Jets to worry about in the next little bit um, speaking of more important things to worry about two games to go Tice one point like we mentioned one point needed against mini or Colorado and it's over Clinched. done Not even taking into account what Nashville or Calgary does. You mentioned it earlier. Four of their last five games, at the very least, have been really good efforts by the Jets. The one misnomer being the Calgary game, not bad. Like, you know, they've had worse. Do you you believe the Jets are hitting their stride right now? Like, is, is there legit reason for optimism? Can we just turn off? the previous two months of, of iffy to downright awful play out of our minds and say, yeah, just because they clicked it right now, they're good to go. Like, are, are you are you a full-on believer here that, that they're going to make some noise in that first round against a top seed? I'm not a full-on believer yet, but I am pretty optimistic. Just because of how bad everything went, a lot of teams would kind of just roll over. They wouldn't even put in a good, a good couple efforts at the end of the season. They would have just rolled over. So the fact that they're able and a couple adjustments on the coaching staff too, like they're putting Ealers on the top unit, like we talked about the power play, how the one shocking what what that's done for the for the first unit. Like who would have thought that putting Ealers up there would would help that unit? And then even with Shapley on the wing, whether that's temporary or permanent for this playoff run, it's helped them get through these games here. And I think that. The coaching staff, it took them a while too, but they did finally make the right adjustments. And I I, I am optimistic about this team going into the playoffs, especially because you look at teams like the team that they're either at Vegas or Edmonton right now, scary teams on paper, but there's some question marks in net there. And whereas you you have the ultimate de facto kind of game breaker in Connor Hallebek where he can still use series on his own and just have and. And with the high-end firepower that the Jets have, you you don't know what a guy like Logan Thompson or Stuart Skinner are going to do in the first and their first extended run of playoff hockey. You just don't know. So I I'm optimistic about it. There are still obviously some concerns that once you know they haven't playing the greatest competition the last couple of games. And once you get more into these high-level, high-intensity battles, then maybe the, the the I'm trying to think. I can't think of a word right now. But like the the bad things about the team the past couple the past couple weeks kicks back in like that that there are concerns on there's concerns and optimism on both sides but it's definitely not the the doom and gloom it was a couple weeks ago. The bad things normally I'd make fun of you for that normally but it's it's close to midnight so <laughs> I'll give you a break there I I couldn't I couldn't think of the word anyway, so we're <laughs> all good um, I. I would say I'm I'm kind of in a similar mindset as you. Maybe a touch more pessimistic. I think the... This is going to actually sound way more pessimistic. <laughs> I, I think the most... Uh, I, I think the most positive thing I can say about the Jets' play as of late is that I don't think they're going to roll over and die in the postseason. <laughs> so that, like, that, <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> like, I, I'm just... Yeah, I... I can't, from what I saw over that stretch, I I just can't go all in on this team. And it's funny too, Tice, because the reason I said they might, or the reason I said they would make the playoffs is just that I believed less in the Flames than I did, you know, feeling fully invested in Winnipeg. And that's kind of played out so far. Calgary struggling against Nashville to to pick up the win and, you know, couldn't beat Vancouver in what was a must-win game for the Flames there. And I think it's great. They're playing much, much better, but we've just seen this team go 180 so quickly and then do that over a stretch of time that I'm just not going to see what we've seen over the past little while and think, yeah, you know what? This team's turned the corner. We're going to be good to go. It's Jets in five over Vegas. You know what I mean? Like I I just, I, I can't do that. They need to show me a lot more than that. And a lot of this is done, you know, as well. I mean, I know they've struggled against bad teams in the past, New Jersey, good team, beat them, good win. But they did it against Detroit, tuned out. San Jose, tuned out. Nashville, not very good in my opinion, but 2-0 game in that, right? Like, it's not like they went through this murderer's row of opponents and, you know, they're picking up momentum and steam and looking like the Bruins out there in the East or anything. They're, They're just doing what they're supposed to do right now. And I'll need to see a lot more from them. I don't think there's anything they can do in the final two games for me that that will have me going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let's let's talk conference finals or anything like that. But, you know, my worry a few weeks ago would have been they're going to get the doors blown off them in four or five straight games and it's just going to be ugly ugly. I think they can I think they could push a first round series to six, maybe even seven games. Are they going to win it? We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens and who's going to be in the lineup for some of these teams here. Uh, but just quickly here, before we wrap it up, Tyson, since we're talking about the Jets with, you know, one foot and nine toes inside that playoff line right now, and we, let, where are the Kraken? Eh, yeah, they're too far back at the Kraken. So the Jets are going to get the top team in the West if they make the playoffs. Likely to be Vegas or Edmonton, although Colorado could make a say in that. So let's say it's those three two. Te- uh, those three teams that have a chance for first in the west what's your pecking order in terms of who you'd want to face like give me your vegas. power rankings of of top seeds that you would like to see the winnipeg jets face off in round one against out of those three it's vegas for me and i, I like really vegas is the most beatable for you yeah and I, I really like with the way edmonton's been playing right now they are humming like they are completely humming You've got the ultimate X factor in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisidel, who can just, we saw last season, they won two playoff rounds single-handedly. And now you look at this team and they've added a Matthias Ekholm to this team, which has been one of the best deadline moves, in my opinion, in a long, long time. Like the amount for total impact that it brings to that team, he's fit in like a glove. I think that's going to be massive for them. And even their depth's a lot better than it was last year. Like I think that this Edmonton team really does have something cooking this year. And Vegas, it's just there's to me, Vegas has always just had question marks. And I said, it, I, I had the crow at the beginning of the season. I said that they were going to miss the playoffs. So what, uh, what like, did I say about Vegas? Do you remember? I don't know. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I said they'd be first in the West, but go ahead. <laughs> but like there's just to me, there's question marks with Mark Stone. How healthy is he going to be coming into the series? Logan Thompson, how healthy is he going to be? And then plus, is it going to be able to handle the added extra pressure of these playoffs? There's, to me, there's too many question marks with a team like Vegas. Where, and then you bring in Colorado, and I think Colorado's probably the team I least like to play. Really? I, I, I do. I just think there's two. The only thing about Colorado is that you, with the Jets, that you would be winning the center depth battle. I would, like obviously, McKinnon's better than Dubois or Shifley, but after that. Dubois, Shifley versus JT Comfort. It's not even a a question. And then you go go down and we might be getting Colbert Fetty back too. And then all of a sudden that adds a different dynamic to this team. If he's anywhere close to 100%, he can be a real, he can just add a different element to this team. And yeah, I think I'd go power rankings. I'd go Vegas, Edmonton, Colorado. This won't be breaking news to anybody that's listening to the episode, but. The Calgary Flames have just been eliminated from the playoffs. Oh, <laughs> uh, that team! That team deserved to not make the playoffs. That is extremely true, and I would say it's true of the Nashville Predators as well. But the, give them credit; they are plucky as hell. Yeah, at least at least Nashville clawed their way back, and yeah, like it. they had no reason to be. It's wild they're even in this discussion right now. Hey, they so. still got out of it technically. Yeah, nothing really changes for the Jets, though. Like they either one of the two teams that played in the game there had to win out. And the if the Jets get one point, they're in. So it doesn't really affect Winnipeg too much. I guess it's more likely Nashville doesn't win their final two than it was for Calgary to win their last one there. But suck it Flames. Our cousin Ray is a huge Flames fan. Suck it Razor. <laughs> Better luck next year, bud. <laughs> uh back to the power ranking thing, though. I would I to me... I don't even know if it's a hot take anymore. I think Edmonton's the second best team in the NHL. Like, I don't want any part of the Oilers. It is interesting though that, you know, the Jets would be one of the few teams out there that is like, hey, we can go toe-to-toe against McDavid and Trice and come out on top. So, like, even if you had to play Edmonton, there is maybe a bit of a psychological thing that might work in the Jets' favor there. But I just, yeah, I, I, I don't think anybody wants any part of... The wagon that the Edmonton Oilers are right now, uh, so for, for me, Edmonton is the least likely team I'd want to play. The only reason with Colorado is just the Stanley Cup hangover is a real thing, and they've been so injured all year long. Plus, they've got question marks in gold too with Georgiev and and Franco, whoever's going to be in between the pipes for them. So, I uh, to, to me, I, I would agree. I think it's Vegas, Vegas has got to be the team that I think Jets fans would most want to see in round one. But even having I mean, said that, like they're they're really good. And they they pumped the Jets. I know the score was a little bit close in the in the games that the Jets and Knights played, but I mean, man, that, that game in Vegas that uh, Eichel scored the OT winner, and it, it could have been 10-1. And it ends up being great. a – what right? Like but, but hey, I mean maybe that's maybe that's what happened, maybe there's a bit of karmic retribution for what Flurry did to Winnipeg a, a couple years back, as well. Like maybe it's Hellebuck's time to exact some revenge on Vegas there. But I mean, if you're if you're looking at those two teams or those three teams, Vegas has the least high end talent of those three. I would say they're the deepest, but the least high end talent and the biggest question marks in goal. And that's a pretty good recipe for a first round upset. So, yeah, I I, I would. I'd be pretty surprised if anybody disagreed with that, um, wanting to face the Vegas Golden Knights in round one as opposed to Edmonton or Colorado. Uh, But we'll see where that goes in the next little bit here. We just need the Winnipeg Jets to take care of business first and foremost, and then we can start having these discussions. So we'll find that out, well, pretty soon, and not only pretty soon, but By the time we get to our next episode, we'll have all our answers figured out for us. So this conversation almost didn't even need to happen, Tyson. But I'm glad we had it anyways. (laughs) Uh, And that's where we'll leave off the episode here tonight. Or to, you know, Tuesday morning for those that are giving it a listen right now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. We will get back at it Friday morning. Breaking down the end of the Winnipeg Jets regular season. Hopefully not the end of the Winnipeg Jets season, but 82 will officially be in the Bucs by then. A game Tuesday night against Minnesota and the regular season finale against Colorado Thursday. One point. And we're talking first round preview. Potentially as early as Friday's episode. So definitely make sure you tune into that one. We'll have that one for you guys right after the Jets take on the Colorado Avalanche. Until then, though, thank you guys for listening once again, and we'll talk to you Friday morning, hopefully in high hopes. Enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe, everybody. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki CJOB's Tyson Rewicki stopping by once again. Talk to you Friday. Peace.